Not every individual may require the direct services of a professional surveyor during their lifetime, but everyone benefits from the services of professional surveyors in some way. If you walk down the street, drive on a highway, take off, or land at an airport, enjoy a boat ride on the lake, ride a train across the countryside, take your children to the neighborhood park, or ride or walk on a public trail, that activity has been in some way facilitated by the work of a professional surveyor. Generally speaking, among the variety of professional services providers, the professional surveyor is the only one that is likely to be involved in the project from beginning to end. This episode of Advance, an NCEES podcast series, we talk with registered professional land surveyor Anna Rios as an RPLS at Land Design Services, Inc. in Liberty Hill, Texas, Anna has experience in construction staking, title surveys, development projects, subdivision planning, right-of-way mapping, design and engineering surveying services on both public and private sector projects. She's also very enthusiastic about giving back to her profession. She is the director for the Texas Society of Professional Surveyors, president for the TSPS Capital Area Chapter, and former Texas representative for the National Society of Professional Surveyors Young Surveyor Network. She also serves as a trustee for the Texas Surveyors Foundation Incorporated, an organization that raises money for student scholarships. In addition to her leadership roles, she serves in many committees in local, state, and national levels. I'm your host, Davey McDowell, Chief Operating Officer at NCEES. I'm really excited to get the chance to speak with Anna about the latest challenges and opportunities in the world of surveying and the importance of mentoring to current and aspiring surveyors. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Welcome, Anna. Thank you for joining us today. Anything about yourself you'd like to share as we get going? Okay. I am originally from West Texas, from Abilene, and I moved to Austin in 2001. Um, I've been in the surveying profession for about 20 years now uh, in various roles, and it's, it's been kind of a, a fun journey. That's, that's a little bit about me. So you mentioned it. Obviously, you're from West Texas, came to Austin. What spurred you or got you interested in becoming a surveyor and then later on in life, I guess, a professional surveyor? So my first job when I moved to Austin uh, was at a survey firm, and it was in an administrative role. And I really didn't know what surveying was whenever I started at that firm. And that company happened to be the first woman who was registered as a surveyor in the state of Texas. Um, and I was really inspired to see her build her company. And she was very highly respected in the profession. So that was just a, a huge motivation for me. Another thing, there's just so many different aspects to surveying. There's research and problem solving, technology, some outdoors geometry. I was actually good at geometry in high school. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I can do geometry. There's also the business aspect and even some legal and law type aspects to it. So there's just so many different things and I tend to get bored easily. And I knew with surveying, I'd never get bored. It just took a few months for me working there to realize that there's just so many opportunities. So I started taking classes at the community college here in Austin. There is just a lot more to surveying than that technical aspect of finding corners and geometry. It was kind of enlightening to me uh, when I came to work here at, at NCEES and started working with some of our surveyors, whether in it, it was from an exam side or from a member board side. All of the things that go into running a surveying business as well as all of the pieces and parts that are part of the surveying profession. Uh, and I would also say that 
kind of in retrospect, one of the things that I, I've said to a number of folks is, you know, I, if I could do it all over again, I might, I might try to become a surveyor because I can handle the geometry. I'm not big on calculus, but I, the toys you guys have are incredible. Do you, can you talk a little bit about that, things that have changed in your, your career from the uh, equipment that you used, I don't know, when you first started out or first started uh, working in the business there to, to where you are today? Man, there's so much that has changed in the last 20 years. 20 years ago, GPS was still kind of new to surveyors. There weren't a lot of companies that were using GPS, and a lot of surveyors were very skeptical of GPS. Now we use it for most things, and uh, we have robotic total stations that work themselves, basically, and you go out there and collect data. There's also UAVs or drones that collects data. There's also mobile LIDAR mapping. So there's so many different new tools that, that we get to use. And um, even the CAD software has been uh, a huge dramatic change from what it used to be. One of the things that NCWS did a number of years ago was go out and kind of ask the general public, you know, what, what do engineers do? What do surveyors do? And of course, a lot of interesting answers that came for both. They tended to think about those folks that are standing alongside of the road, so maybe uh, traffic design or, or road design, that seems to be what jumps in their mind. But as, as your role and what you do today, it's a lot more than that, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of that still. And, and, and it's funny because people used to talk about surveyors standing on the side of the road and what are they taking pictures of? And they weren't taking pictures, they were taking measurements. Well, now... In some ways, in, in some cases, they are taking pictures. Um, so that, that's kind of a, a neat little twist there. Um, but surveyors are involved in all aspects of any kind of infrastructure or building or development. They're out there staking out utility lines for new subdivisions. They stake out the roads, the curb and gutter, buildings. They're involved in every aspect that goes along with our public infrastructure and development. So even if you don't see surveyors, you're impacted in it, whether you live in a house or you drive down a road or you go to a shopping center. All of those things started with a surveyor. You mentioned that you went to work at a firm where the first female registered surveyor in the state of Texas. Surveying is a typically a, a male-dominated field. Has it been tough as, as a female surveyor? And how do you encourage others to, to become involved in, in surveying or look at surveying as a potential profession? Well, I think over the years it's really changed a lot. There's more women in the profession now than there were, and the numbers continue to increase at a higher rate. Really, they've started increasing at about 2,000 at a higher rate, which is about the time that I, I started into surveying, 2001. Um, so I've kind of grown with the profession and seen the changes over the years with the women in the profession and minorities and other backgrounds. Um, and it is becoming more diverse. I mean, there's still a ways to go, but it's changing dramatically. And there's a little more support now and a little more acceptance of women in the profession. For a while, it was hard to get hired at a survey company if you're a woman because they didn't want to put you out in the field or they didn't think you could handle being out in the field. I've mostly worked in the office. I kind of got my foot in the door as a CAD tech after taking classes at the community college. So my 
path was a slightly different than your typical surveyor that may have started out in the field. And I think that's changing with the profession. There's a lot of people that come in directly into the office. I do think field work is very important to understand how they collect the data. And that way you know that the data that they're collecting is being collected correctly. But there's a lot of room for new workforce that for people that may not want to work out in the field. They have a, a path in the office, but there's also those opportunities for field work for people who enjoy being outdoors. So it has so many different things that you can do depending on your personality. So I think there's, there's a place for pretty much anyone in surveying, regardless of what your background is. You've been involved in a number of, um, I guess, organizations that, um, that you've done to help promote the, the surveying profession. Can you tell me a little bit about the Women's Surveyor Summit? So the Women's Surveyor Summit was a really cool thing that happened last year in August in Austin. My career path really had this unknown void that was only met when I went to a Young Surveyor Network meeting in Minnesota. And it happened at their state conference that they do every year. There I met this group of women from Minnesota that were surveyors, and they just welcomed me so warmly, and they told me, how every year after their conference, they go and they spend a few days together. They even invited me to go. And if I hadn't had a plane ticket back to Austin, I probably would have stayed to hang out with them. Uh, just to learn from them and, and to gain more knowledge and how they handle things in the survey world. They really had just developed almost like a soul sister type of friendship. And it's just difficult to, to describe that feeling and that connection that happens when you meet others who really kind of truly see you and who you are and understand you. And it's just different than with the men in the profession. As a, a woman surveyor, often you're the, the only woman in a room full of surveyors at any chapter meeting or state level or even nationally. The numbers have been increasing over the last 20 years slowly. You know, if, if you're the only woman in the room every time you go, it's, it's easy to be intimidated and you don't really feel connected with the men in that room. But when you see another woman there, you really instantly connect. You have that in common. You're, you're not the only one in that room anymore. It just has this impact on you, this feeling. And I'd worked with other women surveyors in Texas. I'd worked for two women who owned their own survey firms, and they were very successful. But the connection that these ladies had in Minnesota was just this atmosphere and it was something I'd never experienced. It was at that time that I knew I wanted to take that atmosphere to other women in the profession. With the help of the Texas Society of Professional Surveyors, I couldn't have done it without them. We were able to make the summit happen. The support that I had from Texas and from the National Society of Professional Surveyors and from my fellow lady land surveyors and all the men in the profession that support us and believe in us. I've just really been blessed to have that support and the friendships that I've made across the country. And we had 65 women from over 12 different states at our conference here in Austin, Texas uh, last year. And it was just an incredible experience that I want every woman surveyor to experience. And it was such a success. Our next one will be in Virginia. And then we've got several states lined up after that. Um, so I think it's really important for us to be able to get together and really share that connection with other ladies 
across the country and surveying. Out of curiosity, when you were in college, were you studying science type of field, a, a STEM kind of, you know, science, technology, engineering, math kind of studies or courses, or was it something different? And then once you got into uh, a surveying company, you kind of realized, okay, well, I'm, I have some of the tools already necessary to, to become a surveyor, and you went and picked up a few, or you picked up some classes at the community college. So what was, in terms of your college experience like? Was it in the STEM field or you just came from a, a totally different field into in surveying? It's funny that you asked that question because my dad right out of high school wanted me to go to a technical college and take drafting courses. I didn't want to do that and I got accepted into tech and decided I was going to go to Texas Tech and started out with my major in sociology and took a sociology class and realized that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> I was like, okay, I just need to take a break for a couple of years, figure out what I really want to do. And um, and I ended up moving to Austin and, and starting at a survey firm and, and ended up as a surveyor. So I guess in, in your years of being a surveyor, you have seen um, folks kind of come and go. Um, their paths are probably different than yours. Um, is... Or, or have you seen some similar paths like that, that folks started out in, in something completely different and then kind of evolved into the surveying world? Or was it more the folks that you've worked with when they were, you know, 12 years old decided, hey, I want to be a surveyor? What, what's been your experience? I think that you kind of just fell into surveying. Either you knew somebody that was a surveyor and they said, hey, come work for my company. It really just depended on the person. But I think now, since these salaries have increased, more people are becoming interested, not just the salaries, but the technology and all the cool tools that we get to use on a daily basis. I think that's very attractive to people now. Um, but before probably the last 10 years or so, I feel like you kind of just fell into surveying somehow. Like nobody really knows what surveying is. It's still kind of this thing. What are those people really doing on the side of the road? I, I don't know. They're a surveyor. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so I feel like there's there's a lot of PR campaigns that need to be done and that are being done right now um, with the Get Kids into Survey uh, campaign. And there's, there's several others. Um, that are out there that are trying to work to promote the profession. So I think more people know what it is now um, than maybe 10 years ago and even 20 years ago. And how is the surveying workforce, I guess, in your opinion? Uh, do, we, do we have a pipeline of plenty of people, or is it something that we really need to be looking at in terms of trying to recruit more into because we just don't have enough, just enough surveyors in the country? I think it's pretty apparent from the the rapid increase in those salaries that there is a great demand for surveyors, especially licensed surveyors. And if you can get licensed, you can get a job just about anywhere. I think it's important to have that pipeline of surveyors, and I don't know that we have that. Some people say that, oh, with the new tools that we have, we don't need as many people. Well, that might be true to a certain extent, but we have been short on surveyors for a long time for the field personnel, for CAD techs, for 
licensed surveyors. Um, and that increase in salary is, is very apparent because of that. And with COVID, COVID-19, man, this year, <laughs> what a unique and, and strange year it's been. Um, it really hasn't had that much impact, to my knowledge, on surveyors or survey companies. Um, we already kind of work individually in a lot of cases. We might have two-man or three-man crews um, that go out on job sites. And, and as long as, you know, you're staying safe and protected and when you're around other people, I mean, we kind of already social distance just in, in general as surveyors because you're out working in the field and you don't, you're not around a whole bunch of other people. As long as the infrastructure projects are continuing to go on, I know the, the certain industries have been hit harder than others with the pandemic, but our infrastructure projects continue to go on and we continue to have buildings built and subdivisions built and designed and road and all, all of the things that go with our infrastructure. Um, at least that that's one of those things that if, if those things start slowing down, that probably bothers me more in general than if, if something else kind of slows down. So that's good to hear that the surveying side of, of the, of the, and serving piece of the whole infrastructure um, of the country is, is continuing to thrive. You mentioned something um, in that last um, kind of statement about the need and importance for more licensed surveyors. And because um, obviously I'm the NCES chief operating officer, I, I, I need to at least um, ask some a question that, that deals on the licensure side of things. I mean, NCWS's is mission uh, is to advance uh, licensure for engineers and surveyors in order to safeguard the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Um, so, so I guess first question is along the licensure lines, um, what was your path to, to licensure and um, any, any comments or, or thoughts on it? Uh, and, and maybe how you talk to others about that pathway, how you became a licensed surveyor. <laughs> My path uh, was interesting and took many turns. Like I said, when I moved to Austin, I started taking classes um, at the community college. I became a, a survey tech. I was making decent money at the time, so I wasn't really in a big hurry to get my surveyor and training certification. Once I, I got to a point where I thought, okay, I need to get my surveyor and training certification, uh, finished up my classes at the community college. I got eligible to take my exam. I took the exam. Within a year of me passing the surveyor and training exam or the the FS exam. I passed it the first time that I took it, which I was very surprised because I thought it was a very difficult exam. At that point, I decided, okay, I'm just going to focus on my four-year degree because Texas at that time required a four-year degree. I worked for an engineering firm briefly as an admin business person. I was the CEO's um, assistant at that engineering firm. And once things kind of picked back up, I was able to get back into surveying I was able to uh, finish up my four-year degree, and I was able to finally get licensed. So it kind of took me <laughs> took me a long time to get get to where I am now, but um, it's all just part of my journey. It's just one of those things that not all are the same, and um, we just, I guess, as a as a society, need to always remember that it, 
the way I did it may not be the perfect way to do it either. So, um, but back to the licensure piece. So, so how do surveyors um, and the work that surveyors do? How does that protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public? In your opinion? Well, I think whenever any uh, engineer is working on a set of plans, they really need to have good data. And that good data comes from surveyors when we're out there in the field. And that survey work needs to be under a licensed surveyor because the licensed surveyor will take responsibility for that and make sure that their crews are collecting the data correctly um, to help limit those errors that may happen out in the field from from the data. so it really starts before a project ever even starts. And then it continues through the entire project, whether it's a development project or a roadway project or some sort of utility project. You have to have good data, good measurements under the supervision of somebody that really understands how the tools work to make sure that, that what they're collecting is good data for the engineers to design off of and then also when the construction crews are out there building, they need that good data. And it's really crucial to have that because there's so many times where, you know, if they don't have good data, it can really cause problems. There can be flooding issues. There can be uh, utility lines that, that don't end up where they're supposed to end up. There's so many different things that could happen if you don't have good data. Is there any one kind of projects that you worked on that you think this was this was really interesting this was really neat this is an I I am so glad I got to work on this is there any of those that just kind of stand out to you there's probably several (laughs) Um, each project is is unique and different in its own way Um, a couple of the more memorable ones happen to be boundary surveys one of them was a large um, tract of land that was intended to be divided up equally between um, the two descendants of the family and they had a partition deed and in that partition deed there was a heir and that heir was brought forth continued through several generations and several tracts of land that had been cut out of that overall tract incorrectly it was probably because they didn't realize it was an error. And when I drew it up in AutoCAD, and I think a lot of the the projects that had happened before that wasn't drawn up in a CAD format because they had happened so many years ago. Um, But the first thing I noticed was it didn't close by over a thousand feet. (laughs) So it was, there was something obviously wrong with the boundary on that particular property um, and with that particular partition. And so Once we went out into the field, we saw evidence of where the original partition line was supposed to be. We found old fence lines um, and fence posts kind of through this creek, and then there was barbed wire through some very large trees. And then at the other end of it, we found an actual stone monument at the other corner that was supposed to be where that partitioned corner was. And it was 60 degrees off in the bearing. So the deed called for it to be northeast 10 degrees and the uh, actual bearing was northeast 70 degrees. So the one 
and the seven got transcribed in the deed itself, which caused a major problem that continued through several transactions over a hundred years. So that was a really kind of a, a cool project. I actually got to go out in the field on that one. And um, I always enjoyed every chance that I got to go out into the field. And so that was a fun project. And it was the first axle I ever found because one corner of the partition was that stone and the other corner was an axle. And I had never found an axle in the field. Um, so that was, that was kind of a cool find for me and one of the more memorable um, projects that I worked on. All right. So as we kind of wind down, as you as you kind of think of the future of surveying, what do you see as challenges, opportunities? Do you see what do you think about the thoughts of the future of surveying? In my mind, the future of surveying is really brighter than ever. Uh, we have excellent salaries, opportunities. The work is really interesting. It really, you just have this great sense of pride whenever you're working on any project or you see the completion of the project, the final product. So I think there's a lot that surveying has to offer. Um, you can also work in the field or in the office or both. You can own your own company. You get to play with cool tools. Every day is really just an adventure and you're always learning something and you're never going to be bored. And regardless of your race or your gender, or any other background, surveying just has so many opportunities that you can create a, a good living for yourself or for your family. Well, thank you very much. I have uh, I've enjoyed the, the conversation. Your story is, is uh, interesting. It's kind of neat to hear, I guess, the pathways or, or ways that, that different folks have, have become uh, part of the licensed professional um, community. So I greatly appreciate you spending time today to do that. Thank you, Davey. It's been an honor and a pleasure to, to talk to you during this podcast. Thank you again, Anna, for joining us today. Your work is relevant, inspiring, and much needed. We very much appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts with us. And for all of our listeners out there, please take a few minutes to leave us a review. This simple action can help others like yourself find and share this podcast. 